Welcome to Courageous Me, your go-to podcast if you're looking for inspiration and the confidence to put the spark back into your life. Hi, I'm your host, Kim Payne, and I'm on a mission to empower professional women to live kick-ass liberated lives where they're seen, heard, and fully valued. Join me on a journey to reignite your passion, get clear on your purpose, and to put more fun into all you do. To declare to that beautiful human staring back at you in the mirror, you've got this. If that sounds like you, let's do it. Welcome to another episode of Courageous Me. I need to ask you this question. If they were making a movie of your life, which actor or actress would play you? It's not an easy one, is it? And while you're on that note, think about who would play your love interest. For some of you, you're going to have already had your answers to both those questions and I've given you absolutely no time to think about it. But some of you will come up with that answer really quickly. Some of you are not going to hear a single thing I say for the next couple of minutes because you're going to be digging deep and trying to work out your own answers. Then there's going to be some of you who are going to go, uh, yeah, what's this got to do with curry? The whole thing is I've been asking this question and others like it for, gee, a good 30 odd years now, really since I finished studying and was in my career. And at the time I was interviewing people. So I was living over in London I was setting up a nominee division, so a division in an investment management business, and I had to employ staff. So part of employing staff is obviously conducting the interviews. And I had a whole series of the professional questions and finding out about their experience and skills. I had all of those questions, right? We had kind of a standard format. But what I found is I was more interested in how somebody would deal with something from left field how they would answer a question they weren't expected or something coming at them where they couldn't prepare. Because obviously there's a whole series of questions you can prepare for in an interview, but it doesn't mean that you necessarily know how to tackle something that comes unexpected. So I started asking questions like, if you could be a car, which car would you be? and why? Or if you could be a body of water, which body of water would you be and why? But one of my favorites is if they were making a movie of your life, which actor or actress would play you? The question I asked you just before. Here's the thing. I'm not actually that interested in the answer at this point. And like I said, for 30 years, I've been asking this question. And I must say, I am entertained by the answers because this is what typically happens. Some people go, oh, well, what do you mean? Does it mean who do I look like or who do I like watching? Is it who they are as their character or who they are in the real world? And my answer is, it doesn't matter. I just want to know your answer. Then there are others, like I said, that just reel it off. I love, I love, I love, I love when I go deeper and say, well, why did you choose that person? And there are those that go, oh my God, this has got nothing to do with what we're doing. It's got absolutely no relevance. I don't want to play the game. And they literally just step back, they're out. They're not even giving it a go. What's really interesting though, is when I ask, why did you choose that person? And there's not, obviously there's no right answer, but the type of responses are so varied. So more often than not, people do choose someone that there is some physical resemblance to. Now, it could be something as simple as just the hair color or the height or 
maybe just the colorings or the cultural background or something like that. So that's typical. Although there are other people that do it or answer it with just someone that they're, they're absolutely mad about, especially when it comes to who's your love interest. There doesn't always tend to be as much of a correlation between the person that they choose to play their love interest and their actual real life love interest. Uh, for example, I love my husband, Tim. He's gorgeous. But the guy right now that I would choose to play my love interest is Chris Hemsworth. I do love you, Tim. However, Tim is nothing like Chris Hemsworth. And it doesn't matter because the story of my life, right? It's my movie. I can choose whatever I want. The reason I'm sharing this with you is one of the things that I believe is so valuable when you're getting to know people, to build relationships, to develop rapport, to really get that level of understanding deeper is asking questions. And it's not easy. And for some, it takes a lot of courage to ask questions or to use questions better. So I liken it to, have you ever been snorkeling? And snorkeling's really cool, right? You hover along at the surface level and you've usually got your snorkel and your mask on and you see some pretty fish and you get to maybe go a little bit deeper than you would if you just you know, using your own natural breathing device, which is yourself. But it's really gorgeous. However, where the real value lies, where the real beauty and the real meaning and connection form is when you go deeper. So compared to snorkeling, this happens when you scuba dive. So when you're able to go deeper below the surface, down in these depths is where some of the real beauty and the magic lies. The areas that we don't always touch regularly. We don't get to see them. We're not exposed to them on a daily basis. This is where some of the gold lies. So when I think of questions, for me, it's about how do you go from surface level conversations or knowing someone at a reasonably high level to going deeper? And I don't know about you. I'm not a big fan of surface level conversation. Like I would, you know, do anything if I'm in a big event where there's lots of people, rather than getting around and having little mini surface level conversations with a whole heap of people, I would much rather be over in the corner and having deep and meaningful conversations with less or fewer people. But those conversations, you know where you get to the real juice, you really get to the heart of it. It's not easy though, right? Because you can't meet someone and as soon as you meet them, go into, what do you think the meaning of life is? You can't go too deep. It's kind of like when you go scuba diving, you don't just jump off the boat and go down deep. You've got to go down slower. You've got to take it easy. Otherwise, you get something called the bends, which really screws up your internal systems, creates all sorts of havoc. Same thing if you go too deep too soon, kind of like proposing marriage on the first date, right? It's too much. It's too heavy. So to go deeper, to get more value, to get more meaning out of a conversation, you do have to go down a little bit slower and you do have to take it easy and you have to share. (laughs) And I, I say that laughingly because I'm someone who loves, loves, loves a good question. I have been accused over the years of being very, very good at asking questions, but not so good at sharing. Here's the thing though, I've never not shared because I didn't want to share. I often don't share because I don't get asked the questions because I typically sit on the fence of the really good question asker, right? So I do a lot of the asking, so much so that there's been many, many times that I've been out somewhere and met someone, we've had this great exchange and at the end they've gone, wow, that was an amazing conversation. 
And if I'm honest, uh, I've asked all the questions and they've been talking about themselves for the entire time, which is great, right? Getting someone to talk about themselves. At the same time, I've had quite a delightful conversation too, because I've learned a bucket load about the person on the other end. And it's quite fascinating. I mean, it's kind of like people watching, asking questions of people and getting to know them. Everyone is so different and so fascinating that I also get a lot out of it. But yeah, they walk away going, yeah, great conversation. That was really interesting because they spoke about themselves. Really cool. Anyway, we've all got different levels of our ability to tune in and ask questions. However, my downside as well is I've been pre-marriage on dates where guys have literally said to me, I feel like I'm in a job interview. And it really does. I guess, you know, sometimes I do need to back off. But it's like one day I was picking my son up from school, Harvey, and oh, I don't know, maybe he was about 10 at the time. And typical when you pick a kid up from school, well, a boy anyway, I'm not sure if all girls are the same. But so he would have been all of grade four or grade five. And the line of questioning usually goes like this. He jumps in the car and I say, hi, darling, how was your day? Good. What did you do today? Nothing. What did you learn? Nothing. Did you do anything exciting? No. Okay. So this is the typical question answer response set. So one time we're going through this, he literally looks at me, puts his hand up in front of my face and says, mum, You need to stop asking questions. From this day onwards, I'm only allowing three questions. Okay, buddy, you're going to play that game. Then my response back to you is, that's okay on the proviso that you give me more decent answers than one word or a yes or a no. So I will play the game as long as you go deeper. So over the next couple of days, I literally limited myself to three questions. I also changed my questions to be more where it did solicit a response from, you know, a 10 year old kid. So instead of saying, how was your day? It's tell me something that you did today, or tell me someone that you, I don't know, kicked the football with today, or give me something that you learned in one of your classes today that you didn't know when I dropped you off at school this morning. So I am making his job easier by asking Questions that do allow a response more than, yep, good or bad. Anyway, after doing this for a couple of days, I said to him, Javi, how has me changing the way I'm asking questions and you giving me more answers so that we do limit it to three? How's that going for you? What have you learned from it? And he said to me, mum, you know what? What I've realized is that without questions, life is pretty boring. And I absolutely like serious internal high fives, just over the moon with this revelation from this young child. And it's funny, I've actually got a post-it note sitting in front of me as I'm sharing this, which is Harvey saying, "Life um, without questions, life is boring. And that's exactly what he said. So he started to realize, which by the way, has set him off on an entire tangent to ask more questions as well. So I'm often, say at a networking event or just say I've been speaking at an event, I'll get some people that'll come up to me later on or something and they'll say to me, oh, you know, Kim, I'm a real introvert and I'm really shy. How do you go coming to these sort of networking events and not just want to run and hide in the corner? And I say, well, first of all, I am one of those people that are an introvert and want to run and hide in the corner. So 
I can relate. Secondly, what I do is I arm myself with lots of questions. I always have my standard set of questions that I can bring out at any time. They're kind of like my get out of jail free card in Monopoly. The one that I've always got up my sleeve that can get a conversation started and a number of them so that if I need to keep that conversation going, we do keep going. That has definitely helped get past some of that fear of being in a, a room with a whole lot of people you don't know and going, Ugh, oh, what am I going to do? Who am I going to talk to? How am I going to do this? So it certainly helps. So I love questions, right? You're probably getting that idea. But there's a problem with questions. And I often share this whenever I'm doing any webinars or running workshops or even speaking events. And I ask people, what is the problem with questions. And I'm asking you, what do you think the problem with questions is? Now, normally I get a whole lot of answers that are along the lines of, you know, well, sometimes they're not open-ended, they're closed questions. So you only get yes or no answers. And there's a whole lot of other things. And I'm probably sure you're thinking of some answers now to why there are problems with questions. What I find though, is the number one problem with questions is that they have answers. Now, I know you're probably going, what do you mean, Kim, they have answers? Isn't that the whole point of asking a question? Fundamentally, yes, it is. However, the reason I say it's a problem is because what happens is you ask a question, typically, you get an answer, and then you run off on to the next question, which is not always related to the answer of the first question you've just asked. I'll give you an example. Years ago, I was doing a role play with a client of mine. They were financial advisors and we were talking about questions and this whole thing about snorkeling and scuba diving and how to go deeper and how to get more meaning and more connection, particularly with their clients. When you don't get a lot of time, you might only get you know a couple of hours a year with them. So how can you get more out of the relationship and take that relationship deeper when you've got limited time? So we're doing this role play. Now in this role play, they're both playing financial advisors, which they were, and I was playing a client. So one of them starts out. So Anthony said, okay, Kim, so as a financial advisor, you the client. The first question is, if you were to come up with your definition of financial freedom, what would it be? So I said, oh, wow, that's a really easy one. Anthony, my definition of financial freedom is being able to go to a restaurant and choose anything off the menu that I want and not have to worry about the price. So Anthony hears that answer, gets it, and then runs off and asks the next question. In the meantime, and you can't see my hands, but in the meantime, James has literally put his arm up and gone, hang on, hang on, hang on. Before you go any further, Kim, can I ask, what sort of restaurants do you like going to? Now, I didn't need to say anything else because at this point, Anthony's gone, oh, ooh, I get it, right? He got that he left a whole bucket load of value and connection sitting on the table untapped, untucked because he hadn't asked anything further. He just went, sweet, off we go. And we do this so much in life. We do it because time's against us, or we do it because we've got an agenda that we want to follow, or we do it because we're asking questions just to get the answer and then carry on, whatever it might be, right? We've all done it. I'm guilty of it, even though this is something I feel deeply passionate about. So James turned around and, and he's asked a question about what sort of restaurants do you like? So Anthony's come back on that. Now he's got the aha moment about what he's done and why questions can be a problem when they have an answer. 
So he said, I said to him, actually, I said, so tell me, Anthony, what kind of restaurants do you think I would have chosen? He said to me, oh, Kim, I kind of see you as going to fancy restaurants, white tablecloths, big plates, small meals, big bills. That's the kind of restaurant I'd think you'd want to go to. And I said to him, you could not be further from the truth. The kind of restaurants I like, I like street food. I like really good quality food. I like atmosphere. I like when we're all together. It was really interesting, but it was such a beautiful moment where the point was made, where he really did go, ah, I get it. I get it. I've committed that crime. And, you know, he'll probably do it again. We've all done it. We've all do it. But at least if you're aware of it, it's something that you can go back on. So that's one thing. So that's really where I find the power of questions and being aware of what that problem is that they do have answers and not just leaving an answer at face value, but taking that further and prying, when I say prying or probing, just going that little bit deeper. So kind of like when you're scuba diving, but you know, going down one more level, one more layer, then repressurizing, going down one more layer and then repressurizing. But this takes a lot of courage to do, in particular when you're out and in an environment where you don't know people. It's not always that easy. This is, uh, gosh, I could go on forever about this. I had a client who had a team of people and she was really, really exceptional at work talk, right? She could talk work till the cows come home and it was her business. So it was something that was very passionate and very dear to her. However, what she wasn't as good at was connecting with her work colleagues and her staff at a level, at a personal level that went much deeper than the surface level stuff. So this one year, we're doing all this work together. She decides that she's going to take them all away for an offsite because one of the things that she hadn't been as good at was sharing the vision of the business and sharing, you know, what are her plans for the future and where they're at now and, you know, the financials and the detail and all of the stuff that normally at the ownership level or the CEO level, that that would be hers. She wasn't very good at sharing that with the staff. So she decides to have this offsite where she was inviting all the staff and she was going to share all this stuff. Amazing. So we're having one of our coaching calls and she says to me, oh, and Kim, you're going to be so proud of me because I'm going to buy them all iPads. And when they're out during the first day and we're doing the work sessions, I'm going to get the staff to go and put them all in their bedrooms. So when they come back to the room at night to change and get ready for dinner, whammo, they're going to have an iPad. So I said to her, and this is back in the earlier days when iPads were still, you know, they weren't every single household, every single person had one or a device. This is back where iPads were a little bit more rare and unique. Anyway, I said, sweet idea, but do they all want an iPad? And she's kind of looked at me like I had a horn on my head. And she's like, oh, well, doesn't everyone want an iPad? And I said, well, if you gave me an iPad, wouldn't be much value because I've already got one and I, I didn't that time I wasn't living with anyone else. I didn't have anyone else. So um, kind of might have been a lovely gesture, but maybe not as valuable and maybe not the best spend of $600 that you could have spent. So I said to her, right, here's the challenge. I want you to take every single member of your team out over the next couple of weeks, have a coffee. In that coffee catch-up, you are not allowed to talk work. You have to just get to know them as a person. Now, she was already a really good question asker anyway. So this was quite sweet. Where she was very, very uncomfortable and where she had to reach in and find a lot of courage was that she was not allowed to talk work with these people. 
And I said, and making it even harder, here's a little twist. In that conversation, I need you to find out if you were going to spend that $600 on them, what is something that they would value? Now, she didn't have that many stuff. There may have only been six or seven of them. It meant that she could buy separate gifts. It wasn't like she was buying for a hundred people, but with only six or seven people, she could have this conversation and super sleuth. She had to find out what they would value if she was going to spend that money. Now, to her credit, she did that. And here's the thing, not one single person ended up getting an iPad. And after she'd gone and she'd asked all the questions, bought the gifts for everyone, and some of the gifts were, some of them wanted a weekend getaway. One of them wanted a red balloon voucher. Um, someone else wanted, they would have rather the cash because they were on a, they were saving up for something, for a holiday or something like that. I can't remember what it was now. But after she'd bought these gifts, gone away, had the offsite, she came back and she said, wow, that has got to be one of the most insightful things I've ever done. And from that day, she became very, very good at asking questions and going deeper with people on all levels. She took this whole line of questioning into her client relationships and no surprise, they got stronger, they got deeper and the connections grew. The referrals grew, but her connection with other humans grew and it made all of her work that much more rewarding. So I'm a really, really, really big fan of asking questions. And actually, one of my favorite business books is written by a guy called Warren Berger, and it's called The Book of Beautiful Questions. Now, some of you might like to read it. For some of you, yep, won't be up your alley. That's all sweet too. But where are moments in your life, in your personal life, in your work life, where you could really benefit from going that little bit deeper, asking that question that takes a conversation to another level, maybe asking that question that takes the whole conversation down a different line altogether. So I often, when I'm doing workshops with groups of people, to try and increase the connection between staff, staff that, by the way, may have been working with each other for a long time, is one of the questions I ask is, if they were making a movie of your life, which actor or actress would play you? The question I asked you at the very beginning. And the reason I love it is in the break, when everyone goes back to, I don't know, making a cup of coffee or tea or doing their own thing for the 15, 20 minutes we have, I love just tuning into the conversations that are happening. And the, oh, why did you choose that person? Or, oh my gosh, I can see why you chose that person. Oh my God, you just look like them. Or a, a girl I asked this question of the other day, the person she chose was because she loves this person in their real life, out of character in the real world. She said, I just feel that they've got so much integrity. They've got so much depth. What you see is what you get. What that did was lead us into a very, very deep line of questioning about the work that she does and why she wasn't doing something else that she was really good at. It just went down a whole new level and it went down this path really, really quickly. And all of that off the back of that one simple question, which was, you know, like I said, if they were to make a movie of your life, which actor or actress would play you? Going back to when I would ask this when I was uh, running job interviews, what was most fascinating would be those who are in an interview, I ask that question and they literally say, what on earth has that got to do with me getting this job? And then I would say, actually, I'm more interested in how you're responding to this question. And guess what? They were never the ones that got the job. Because 
in life, we get things thrown at us left field, right? We get things thrown at us that we weren't expecting and how someone deals with it, in particular how they deal with it in an interview, is very much a telling tale. Another book that I'm quite madly deeply in love with is called Magic Words. It's by a guy called Jonah Berger. Now, interestingly, Jonah Berger in his book Magic Words and in the book that I just spoke about before, about the book of beautiful questions, they both reference some research. And this was back in the 1960s, the late 1960s, at the University of California, Berkeley. There was a student called Arthur Aaron, and he was really considering what he was going to do. Um, he'd done a master's degree in social psychology, and he was really looking for what he was going to do as his next step in his studies. At the same time as he was considering and pondering what to do, he was dating a woman called Elaine Spaulding. They fell in love when they first kissed. He kind of got really intrigued by how you can create that deep connection with someone. And he knew not from when he first met her, but when he first kissed her, that he wanted to spend the rest of his life with her. They together spent quite a lot of time researching and looking at how you actually build stronger relationships and connections between two people, and in particular, build social connections, okay? So not necessarily love interests, but social connections. And over the years, he tried, he realized that questions were key. And he tried creating a whole lot of different studies and that to find out, were there ways that you could ask questions? What questions would they be and what order where you could really get the most out of a relationship and bring people together more quickly, okay? Because like I said earlier, you can't just, you know, jump off the boat and get down to the deep seabed and scuba dive too quickly. You've got to go down gradually, okay? And it's like when you are in a conversation, you don't want to get too vulnerable too soon, nor do you want to put someone offside and, and make them feel too vulnerable too soon. Unless, of course, you are a coach, a therapist, or in a hostage negotiation situation, yeah, otherwise you don't want to go too soon. And what he found, both of these books talk about, they call it the fast friends technique. And what they found that there is a series of 36 questions that if asked in a specific order and mutually asking and answering, so where one person would ask the question and answer it, and then the other person would get a chance to ask as well, because great questions also do involve a little bit of openness and sharing, okay? As, or like me, you get accused of going on a date and being told that they feel like they're in a job interview. And yet yeah, none of that worked out really well for me. Anyway, so they go through this series of questions and 12 questions get asked first by each person. So you take turns at asking and answering. Then they have a break. Then they go into the next set of 12, have a break and go on to the next set of 12. And what they found in doing all this research was the incredible difference and the incredible level of connection and camaraderie and how it changed relationships, especially between people that didn't know each other very well at the beginning or people that had known each other for a long time and maybe had lost touch or, you know, rekindled a relationship. Gosh, if you've ever been in a relationship with someone for a long time and the spark's gone. At the very end of this episode, which we're coming to an end now, I will read out those 12 questions, but you can find them 
on page 93 if you do get the book Magic Words by Jonah Berger. He goes through what these 12 questions are in each set, so three sets of 12. Just fantastic. But like I said, it does take courage to be able to ask questions and go deeper. And it takes courage being able to share and be more open and be more vulnerable. But it really does make a difference to the the relationships that we're able to have with people and the connection. And I was listening to a masterclass yesterday with Dr. Louise Marla, and she was saying that COVID really killed communication. I know I've had this conversation with so many people where once quite confident going out, you know, a lot of people have lost some of that confidence when they're going out now into larger groups or they're in networking events. So we've got to kind of rebuild that skill to get out there and have more of these conversations. And questions and taking questions to that next level are absolutely one of the most golden things to do. And as my son Harvey says, you know, without questions, life can be pretty plain. And in my defense, when I was dating and asking questions, how on earth was I going to know if I wanted to take these dates any further if I didn't find out about these fellas that were on the other side and having that date with me? Because quite frankly, some of the questions I did ask and some of the answers that came out made it very, very clear that, you know what, I don't want to go any further with this Anyway, so so where can you do that? So for those of you that want to stick around, I'm going to go through the 36 questions, the fast friends technique. Just have a think about how you would answer because you don't get a chance to do this. This is a podcast, right? How you would answer. And maybe there's a question or two in here that you would maybe want to ask someone you know. But remember, these questions are in an order that is more surface level at the beginning and go deeper over time. They also are questions that the gold comes from them when you also can give your answer to that question too. So you're sharing at the same time as asking. Two people asking these questions, the two partners, they take turns asking and answering. So for those that want to stick around, I'm going to go through, I'm just reading them from the book. So like I said, if you don't want to, that's sweet. You can jump out, but for those of you who are intrigued and probably won't go and buy the book, Magic Words, listen on in. All right, so remember, two people each take a turn and they're given 15 minutes to answer these questions and try and get through as many as they can, but these are in order. Okay, question number one, given the choice of anyone in the world, whom would you want as a dinner guest? Question number two, would you like to be famous? And in what way? Question three, before making a telephone call, do you ever rehearse what you're going to say? Why? Question four, what would constitute a perfect day for you? Question five, when did you last sing to yourself or sing to someone else? Question six, if you were able to live to the age of 90 and retain either the mind or body of a 30-year-old for the last 60 years of your life, what would you want? Question seven, do you have a secret hunch about how you will die? Question eight, name three things you and your partner appear to have in common. Now remember your partner in this case is the person you're asking these questions to. Question number nine, for what in your life do you feel most grateful? Question 10, if you could change anything about the way you were raised, what would it be? Question 11, take four minutes and tell your partner your life story in as much detail as possible. And question 12, if you could wake up tomorrow having gained any one quality or ability, 
what would it be? So as per this book, what they say is you go through that series of questions, then you have a break, then you get into the next 12 questions. All right, so I'm going to go now on to the second set of 12 questions. Question one, if a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you want to know? Question two, is there something that you've dreamed of doing for a long time? And why haven't you done it? Question three, what is the greatest accomplishment of your life? Question four, what do you value most in a friendship? Question five, what is your most treasured memory? Question six, what is your most terrible memory? Question seven, if you knew that in one year you would die suddenly, would you change anything about the way you are living? Why? Question eight, what does friendship mean to you? Question nine, what roles do love and affection play in your life? Question 10, alternate sharing something you consider a positive characteristic of your partner. Share a total of five items. Question 11, how close and warm is your family? Do you feel your childhood was happier than most other people? And question 12, how do you feel about your relationship with your mother? Okay, wow, some of those questions go pretty deep. Again, at the end of those, that round of, of 12 questions, they give you a break. Now on to the last set of questions, the last 12. Okay, remember these have been in order. Question one, make three true we statements each. For instance, we are both in this room feeling dot, dot, dot. Number two, complete this sentence. I wish I had someone with whom I could share, dot, dot, dot. Question three, if you are going to become a close friend with your partner, please share what would be important for him or her to know. Remember the partner in this case is the person that you're doing this question answering with. Question four, tell your partner what you like about them. Be very honest this time, saying things that you might not otherwise say to someone you've just met. Question five, share with your partner an embarrassing moment in your life. Question six, when did you last cry in front of another person? And when did you last cry by yourself? Question seven, tell your partner something that you like about them already. Question number eight, what, if anything, is too serious to be joked about? Question number nine, if you were to die this evening with no opportunity to communicate with anyone, what would you most regret not having told someone? And why haven't you told them yet? Question 10. Your house containing everything you own catches fire. After saving your loved ones and pets, you have time to safely make a final dash to save any one item. What would it be and why? Question 11. Of all the people in your family, whose death would you find most disturbing and why? And the final question number 12. Share a personal problem and ask your partner's advice on how he or she might handle it. Also, ask your partner to reflect back to you how you seem to be feeling about the problem you have chosen. So there you go. And Aaron's conducted this experiment with many, 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 many hundreds of strangers. And in all cases, they felt that the answers and sharing and asking and answering these questions with each other was able to build connections at a much deeper level much sooner and hence why it's called the fast friends technique anyway i thought it was really interesting love to know if you get to ask or answer any of those questions with others and how that turns out for you so on that note whatever it is that you want to get out there and go and be doing find that little bit of courage and go and do it thanks a million for joining me on this episode of courageous me 
I hope it ignited a spark or two within you. To keep the inspiration flowing, hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for more episodes. We've got loads of amazing stories of courage, passion and practical tips coming your way. For all the show notes, resources and ways that we can connect, head to courageousme.com.au. And your feedback is incredibly valuable. So if you enjoyed the show, I'd love you to leave a review and a rating. It'll help me spread more of this love and reach more wonderful people just like you. Until we meet again, my friend, always remember, you've got this.